Hey everyone, it is Nick Bradley here. Welcome to this week's show. So today we are going to be talking about pitching, specifically the ways that you can bomb or screw up your pitch. So if you're pitching to investors, if you're pitching to someone who potentially is going to acquire your business, what are some of the things that you shouldn't do? Now, (laughs) a really important topic. Over the years that I've been in investment, VC, private equity, I have obviously had the privilege of sitting in front of a number of pitches. I've also had the privilege of making a lot of pitches. And I think I am well-versed, well experienced in being able to take you through the various pitfalls. Okay, so what we're going to do today is I'm going to take you through 10, 10 surefire ways to screw up your investor pitch. Now, before I do that, I know some of you are going, well, hold on, I don't need to raise money. I'm bootstrapping my business or, you know, I've got cash, whatever. There's a point in time where you have to influence, right? And sometimes you have to influence for investment. Sometimes you've got to just influence to sell something, right? The principles that I'm going to go through today, certainly some of them are applicable to that. But you know what? I'm a strong believer that, you know, you have to pitch in life to get what you want, okay? And a lot of that is about influence. A lot of that is about preparation. And the stuff that I want to cover today is the things that you need to do to be successful just to be able to go out there and get what you want. Okay, you with me? It's going to be quick. It's going to be intense. But here are the 10 surefire ways to screw up your investor pitch. Number one, prospecting going out there and talking to potential investors, talking to people that you want to influence without building rapport first. Nothing worse, nothing worse than getting a message on LinkedIn from someone you've never heard of where they they literally send you the investment deck. They send you the pitch deck. It's like, who are you? Like, you know, I don't even know who you are. So, you know, what makes you think that I'm going to give you hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, and I have never met you. So the most important thing, first off the bat, is to go out there and build a network with the people that you want to influence, the investors that you want to pitch at some point in the future, build a relationship first before you go and ask for anything. Even more importantly, if you can do it, is go out there and offer some value first, offer to open up networks or to help the people that you may in the future want to go and have a relationship with, certainly a commercial relationship, and that is going to make the whole process easier. Nothing worse than going out there and asking for something, particularly money, without building that rapport. Okay, so that's point number one. Number two, not preparing or practicing your pitch in advance. Now, when I say practicing preparing, I mean really like I'm doing a lot. So if I'm going to go and speak on stage or speak in a mastermind or something like that, I'll go through my presentation 20 or 30 times end to end. Like, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll know when the various points are when I need to make a very specific uh, mention of something, or there's a bit where I need to slow down a little bit to build a bit of theater to kind of get people intrigued and leaning in. There's no difference in that than what there is with pitching. So you should prepare your pitch absolutely well in advance. You should know exactly the points where you want to turn the dial up, where you want to um, make make a point that's an absolute killer point that's going to get them sort of thinking differently or stopping in their tracks. 
But don't just do it once or twice. Don't do it in front of your girlfriend, wife, your mum, your kids, your dog, right? And think that you're going to be successful. If you are asking for something that is going to change your business, change the trajectory of what you're trying to do, you've got to put in the work. It's also respectful to do that. If you think about it, if someone's going to give you the time to listen to you be able to make an offer, make a proposal, it's kind of like you know disingenuous not to at least put the work in to make that a great use, a great experience, great use of their time, great experience for them to actually sit through it. Okay, so not preparing or practicing your pitch in advance is a massive make. It's a mistake. It's definitely a surefire way of screwing things up. Okay, number three, <laughs> focusing too much on you and not them. Nothing worse than someone turning up and talking about them, what's important to them, what they did last week, why they're doing this. You know, we want to know a little bit about that, right? We want to understand who you are. We want to know what makes you tick, but you've got to think about the audience. The key way to do that, give you a tip, is research them in advance, okay? Research them in advance. It's so easy these days to go and look at someone's social media profiles. You can see if they're posting on Facebook about what they did on the weekend. Uh, do they support a sports team that you could reference and bring up? It might be a team that you support, or it might be one that, you know, you just want to just drop something in like, oh, great. You know, I was talking to a friend who uh, likes the Celtics and I saw that they had a great win on the weekend. Oh, guess what? I, I go for the Celtics. Oh, wow. Fantastic. All of that is about building rapport, but it's not about talking about you. Okay. Fourth point, not respecting their time. This is a really big one and one that I haven't heard mentioned a lot when people talk about pitching. Now, when you get in front of someone who is wealthy, ultra high net worth, a billionaire, they are often not that generous with their time. Now, I don't want to say that as a blanket thing, but sometimes you might only get five minutes. You might get 10 minutes. If you're lucky, you might get 15 minutes, half an hour, an hour, whatever. But don't you know? think that you're just going to get all the time in the world to be able to present your ideas because these guys are running empires, right? And they don't have the time to sit through every person who wants to roll up and ask for something, certainly if they're asking for cash. So I've been in situations where I've had the opportunity to, to get, in some, get in front of someone who has the means to be able to help what I'm trying to achieve. And they've said, you've got five minutes. Now, here's what you do. You prepare multiple versions of your pitch. Don't just prepare a pitch that's on your terms, like a 20-minute, 30-minute, 45-minute. Break it down based on what you're going to get the opportunity to have. Okay? So my advice, prepare a 5-minute pitch. Prepare a 15-minute pitch. Prepare a 20 to 30-minute pitch. Right? Prepare a 45-minute pitch. But the point here is, if you're going to get time scarcity because these people are not going to give you all the time in the world, make sure that you are prepared in advance. Okay, that's respecting their time, but it's also giving you the opportunity, you know, to be able to be successful if there are constraints that that come up when you are, you know, right in the in the thick of it, right in the in the firing line. Okay, cool. Let's keep going. Number five, oh, big one, presenting a hockey stick set of financials without offering any data or detailed assumptions to support the numbers. Now, most people in business understand what a hockey stick is. If you don't, it's where you see a financial sheet which shows the forward projections of revenue or profit or whatever the data is. And it shows over time the performance dramatically increasing, 
right? So you might have a, a performance that in the past has been okay and then it's starting to improve upwards, but then in the next three to five years, it just literally goes almost vertical. And that's called a hockey stick because the whole thing just curves very rapidly like a hockey stick does, okay? The problem with that is there's no proof to it, right? It looks really ill-informed. It looks like it's made up. Okay, because the, of course, you know, if you want money, you want to show that the business is going to take off, you know, in the future. And that means that there's less risk on someone giving you capital to invest. But there's no certainty around that, right? And if I see a chart where the numbers just go crazy into the stratosphere without any assumptions, without anything backing it up, that's it. The, the, the pitch is finished for me. I'm like, seriously, guys, right? You know, you, you haven't even done that before. Why are you putting numbers in front of me just to make it look like the return on my investment is going to be so amazing when there's nothing backing that up, okay? So if you are going to present a really assertive forward projection of your financials, go in there with heaps and heaps of data, heaps of external validation. Even if you don't put that into your pitch deck, make sure that you've got someone next to you, normally like a CFO, who's got literally reams of the stuff that they can pull it out and they can show that it is properly formed information that then backs up what you are saying. Okay. Number six, being too internally focused versus market or customer driven. What do I mean by that? Talking too much about your amazing product, your amazing service, the thing that you're creating. A lot of entrepreneurs, particularly startup entrepreneurs, are creatives. They want to create something. They want to obviously solve a big problem. They want to change the world. They obviously want to build wealth for themselves, but they focus too much on the thing they're creating and not necessarily about what's happening in the market or specifically the customer that they best want to serve. So you want to be able to talk in a pitch deck, in, a, in a, an opportunity where you're pitching about the market, about the themes of the market, about what's happening. Okay, the more that your pitch is about the external world and, and then your product or your service is solving something that's happening at a macro level, the more successful generally it is, but certainly the more realistic and transparent it is too. Okay, number seven, making stuff up so it sounds good. <sighs> a killer. And we all kind of do it a little bit. We embellish things, right? We, we make things sound a little bit, you know, on the, on the sort of glass half full versus half empty, right? So it's not necessarily a lie, but it's not necessarily the full truth. The problem is when you get to some of these big tables, the private equity tables, the VC tables, you've got some very smart people there. And they're, they're, they're very tuned into BS, right? Into the bullshit meter, okay? And... You know, you can go and say stuff, but if, if you don't really believe it and you're just trying to kind of put stuff out there that sounds impressive in the meeting, it ain't going to land. I can tell you that. You're better off being honest and authentic than you are trying to make stuff up to make it sound good. In fact, you'll get better points by being honest about a situation that maybe isn't as great than trying to make something better than it is. Okay. Number eight, we are almost there. Being overly academic or technical, right, with your terms, with your pitch. Now, there's a saying that says that simplicity is the ultimate sophistication. Now, I forget who said that, but I absolutely love that quote because there's nothing worse than going into a pitch where you have all of this technical knowledge, right, and, and then you have these acronyms and all these other bits and pieces, and you're putting it into the pitch and you're talking in riddles. And you've got people sitting at the table. Remember, they're smart people, 
But at the same time, it's your job to simplify the pitch. It's your job to be able to make what you're offering as easy to understand as possible because it's also, you know, what you're pitching is also what, you know, you, the customer's going to see, right? So if you can't pitch it to the investor, it also says that you're not very clear in being able to pitch your business externally to the people who matter most, which are the clients who are going to buy or the customers who are going to buy your product. Okay, you with me? So whenever you're going to pitch, my advice is get someone who's totally outside of your sector or industry to help coach you on the pitch. So pitch to them and ask them beforehand, if, if there's anything too technical in here that you don't understand, call it out, write it down at the very end, tell me where those areas are. And then once you understand that there might be five to 10 points in your pitch, which are just overly technical and you know the people on the other side of the table are going to glaze over because they just don't understand and therefore, once they glaze over, they're not going to give you money, right? Then, you know, you know in advance and you can effectively simplify those points. Okay, number nine, overly trying to frame control the room. Now, Oren Claff was on my podcast in the very early days, and he wrote an amazing book called Pitch Anything. And he talks about frame control, meaning basically going in and trying to be the the alpha in the room, right? Trying to walk in there and kind of own, you know, do things that make it look like the status has changed. Now, I, I like Oren. I like a lot of the stuff he talks about, but sometimes you can overdo it. And you've got to remember, you are asking for something. You know, you're there because you need something. It might be a great idea. It might be a great pitch, but you are there to ask for something. So my advice, instead of trying to go in there and be the person, be the person who's like dominating the room, which is what frame control ultimately is, be confident, but be humble. Okay, be confident, but be humble. There's nothing more attractive than someone who has that quiet confidence about them. They don't, know, they don't need to be anything more than they are. They're humble of what they've got, but they're confident with their ideas. Okay, and you want to be interesting and intriguing. You don't want to be in there annoying people and pissing people off. Okay, we're up to number 10. I told you this would be quick. <laughs> Flying through it. Number 10. Saying that your startup or your business, wherever it is to date, is the next unicorn, okay? I have a business, a billion-dollar business here, a billion-dollar valuation business, which is the definition of unicorn. Oh, my God. Particularly early-stage businesses, right? I, the number of times that people come to me and want me to help them scale, and they say, oh, my business is going to be a unicorn, it's going to be a unicorn. It's not, right? It's not. And, and, and to be clear here, even the businesses that get the billion-dollar valuations, a lot of that value isn't real value. It's kind of paper money, right? And, you know, A, there's, there's not many of them, and B, the ones that actually have that paper valuation at the VC level, a lot of them don't even end up being truly valued at an exit like that, right? It's kind of all that – this whole unicorn thing to me is a little bit screwed up. It sounds great. It gets people very excited. But it also sounds a little bit delusional. Right? You're much better off saying, I have this great idea. It solves this problem. Here's the market information. Here's my financials. This is what we've achieved to date. This is what I know we can achieve. And this is the upside. And actually, if you project that forward, yeah, potentially there is a, there is a big number here in terms of the return on investment for you. But don't go in there trying to pitch this idea that it's you know a billion-dollar business because the astute, experienced investors are just going to go, oh, God, here we go again. And they'll check out. And, you know, you might, you might be there for, you know, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 20 minutes presenting to a room who just have no interest. So you've just got to be, back to my humble point, you've got to be balanced and you've got to be humble. 
So there we go. That's the episode for today. 10 surefire ways to absolutely screw up to bomb your investor pitch. As I said from the outset, these same principles can be used when you're influencing for anything. They can be used in sales and they are lessons that I have personally either seen or done myself over more than a decade in this space. As I always say, be grateful, be brave, have faith and show up. Bye for now. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.